What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Chord Chronicles. Week two. Week eight. I want to see, what is it, January the 8th through the 14th? Yeah. I'm still rusty. I'm still musty. Just like a stack of vinyls. We're going to crack it open and experience the age. <laughs> <laughs> Just as long as we're not cracking oh, no. you open. I hope everyone's had a wonderful week. It's been busy over here at uh, Notre Dame. I don't know how it is there in Central City. Eh. Lots going on. <laughs> Lots of music, I'll say that. Lots of music. <laughs> and uh, actually a little bit of surprises this week. If, it, if everyone hasn't had a chance, go back and listen to week one. We had, you know, at least one really good album. I'm not going to talk too much about it because that's in the past. And we are working on the present in some ways. <laughs> for, you, for those of you that don't know what we do, Amy and I will take an um, week by week. We will take the albums releases from the U.S. because we only do U.S. releases. We have had some U.K., but that's just an accident. <laughs> and then we will celebrate each and every album that is turning fifty, because I believe every one of these albums deserve a chance to be heard at least one more time. So. Which is why we listen to everything. <laughs> That's why I'm prefacing all this, because we've had some really great albums. Like last week, I will mention Aerosmith. Almost a five-star album. Great album. And in the... <laughs> yes, I mean, amazing. And in the past, we've had some just absolute mm, art pieces, we'll say. <laughs> and one of the biggest perpetrators of that, I would see probably the biggest perpetrator, would be... What, Yoko Ono? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that one was difficult. Well, I, I believe we, we did miss an album or two because, you know, we, we stopped, what, September or so of 71. But I believe there, were, there was one more album in between then and now. So I, I'm, I'm going to go back and listen. I've listened to most of our 71 stuff, but um, I haven't made it to that. But I keep skirting around the issue here what i'm really just trying to get at is in 1973 oh i was really scared <laughs> because we had aerosmith and it was awesome but then i look at the list and january 8th 1973 we have yoko ono approximately infinite universe from the title i was worried like oh my gosh is it going to be more you know, of the experimental, where she just screeches and, what, hollers and just, wow, all that, whatever that is. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to just disparage someone's art. It wasn't pleasant to listen to or experience in the past. This album, <laughs> whew, I was worried because it's a double album. And... You know, one album I barely made it through of her her doing all that. So I'm thinking we're going to get, you know, a double album of more of this. And actually, minus maybe a song or two, there are really not very many songs that are like that. This is more like a, I would call a safer, more of a pop album. Now, the, now lyrically, maybe not so, because it still has a lot of um, what I would call feminist lyrics. Like and um, you know maybe Yoko's beliefs she's translating through her art and I can respect that 
And I can respect the fact that she didn't do all the uh, the crazy, uh, whatever that was, the last album we listened to. <laughs> yeah. I don't have that album right in front of me right now, but um, you know, we did miss some time in New York City. So that was 1972. So I have to go back and listen. So I'm hoping it's more like this. Now, th- let's go ahead and get this out of the way. This is a long album. Long. I mean, I did say a double album, but it's not lacking for number of songs or content. The thing, I mean, it clocks in at like 93 minutes and 9 seconds long is the exact you know play length on it. And, I mean, you, like after a while, I, I did, I had to sit down in two separate, you know, sittings or whatever and experience this because it's just a lot of music. Like they, there were what a couple singles off of it. You had "Now or Never," and the B side to that is called "Move On Fast." And "Move On Fast" is the song that was it has the screeching in it. It was one of those, so that would have been a disappointing B side. You also had the what I thought was probably the best song on the album, and it's "Death of Samantha." And on the B side to that one's "Yang Yang," which is actually the first song on the album, which is actually pretty good too. If I were going to get a single, I probably would have been, you know, heading for that one. I'm not going to go track by track through this because there's just, there's a lot. There's like 11 songs. And if you get the CD reissue, if you're not doing vinyl or something like that, there are two more. So you're getting 13 songs. I will run through the personnel real fast because musically, pardon me, musically, this might be Yoko Ono's best album. I feel like the musicians on this album did like exceptional jobs. And I mean Yoko honestly does a pretty pretty good job um, lyrically. Sometimes no, but maybe that is due to the fact that she is a Japanese American. So I try to take that into effect as well because you know, someone that's not a native speaker, they may not speak, you know, as well trying to sing. You know, they're they're singing a, a different language. So before I can cast dispersions on someone I need to learn some more of my Duolingo and try to speak in or you know sing a song in Spanish. We'll see how that goes. So, but I'm gonna run through the personnel. You do have Yoko Ono on vocals and piano on looking over from my hotel window when she gets down and on her knees, and she helped with the arrangements as well. You have Joel Known N O H N N. I've never seen that spelled that way which is a anagram of John Lennon. <laughs> you like that? Um, he's on this. He's on this uh, Guitar and backing vocals. But I didn't know he was on this when I was listening. So I, I, I feel like there, I knew there were some pretty strong musicians. You have Stan Bronstein on saxophone, flute, and clarinet. He stands out a, a lot of times on this album. I feel like the saxophone is excellent. Rick uh, Frank on drums and percussion. Dana Price on castanets. That's the first. We have not seen anyone playing castanets that I've seen listed. Uh, Gary Vaughn, and I'm not going to be able to pronounce that one. Um, it's S-C-Y-O-C. So, I don't know. A- anyone out there can, can let me know because I'd like to give the man his due. Uh, bass, guitar, and trumpet, which is totally different instruments. That's impressive. Then you have Adam Ippolito on piano, Hammond organ, harmonium, and trumpet. Wayne Tex Gabriel on guitar, and, surprise, Mick Jagger plays guitar on Winter Is Here to Stay, which is actually one of the slower songs. 
So you probably, like at first glance, you wouldn't even know that because it's like a slower. Um, this this album is a combination of, I would say, poppy hits, maybe some ballads thrown in, but a lot of a feminist message, like I said before. And um, I'm not going to say a whole lot more about it. I will run through what I thought, the songs that I thought were particularly good, maybe that stood out. Like I said before, I liked Yang Yang, the first, the, t- the first track. I liked Death of Samantha. Um, I thought I Want My Love to Rest Tonight sounded very Beatles-esque. I don't know. I mean, I mean, John Lennon probably had a, a heavy hand in that, but I, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I thought Have You Seen a Horizon Lately was all right. Um, in Approximately Infinite Universe, the title track, I really liked the band. Like I pointed out before, the horns... I, th- I feel like the horns really stood out in that track. I think Peter the Dealer's pretty good. <laughs> the, the One of the most fun tracks is Catman, The Rosies Are Coming. I mean, it's just a pop song. You know, what, The Rosies are what? Um, oh, is it the police? I believe. I can't, I can't remember. It's slang for something. But, you know, but I thought it was pretty good. It, it, like, once again, great horns. Um, what a Bastard the World Is. Maybe not for the... You know, for the song, maybe more for the message, because that's one of the strong feminine tracks, you know, with her message. Um, Move on fast. Um, Actually, I I put on here because it's like so many songs, it was hard to keep track. Move on fast, maybe not for the vocals, but the music was really great. And then Now or Never, it's an anti-war, a peace song. And I like the message quite a bit in that. Now, there are some bad Obviously, you're not going to get every song good because it's a double album. We've never had a double album where every song has been just stellar. There's always some kind of filler, and typically there's at least two songs that aren't good. Well, this song, this album, for me, there were, you know, a lot of them were, I don't want to say bad. Some There were a couple. The ballads may be more filler, but the bad, What Did I Do, would be the number one offender of that. That's more of that... Um, the screechy experimental what in the world's going on that's more like what we previously encountered so no i had to skip that i listened to it once and i that i've the whole time i've listened to this and i can't imagine having a vinyl record and having to just make it through it because you can't you can but it's hard to skip on vinyl but i I hated that song i didn't like song for john i thought it was too draggy it just drugged the pace of it i feel like she could have pepped it up a little bit even if you love someone, you can sound a little bit more excited about it. But uh, Waiting for the Sunrise, thought it was too repetitive. It's uh, like those of you out there who listen to old Memphis rap and 3-6 Mafia, where they repeat everything over and over about 20 times. That's this song. I think they uh, used her for inspiration. <laughs> but then you have uh, the Kite song. I thought it sounded sloppy in the production. And finally, I didn't like Is Winter Here to Stay. Even with Mick Jagger on it I thought the screechy stuff was on it uh just I couldn't get with that one but overall compared to that last Yoko album I mean this one's really good I I, I, I'm gonna go ahead and say really good because it's a double album it's it's hard to produce a double album full of excellent tracks but I'm not gonna give my score score yet I'm just gonna turn it over to you and you know, we'll see what you thought about it, and then we'll we'll see about scores.
You know, what did you think about this piece of art that Yogo presented to us? Well, you are absolutely right, I think. It is a vast improvement over her previous work that we have listened to. I haven't listened to the one that came between that we missed either, but whatever it was, 1970 or 71, um, I think it was the one where she and John both released a Plastic Ono Band album on the same day. That one was terrible. Yeah. (laughs) This, Mm -hmm. not nearly as bad. Some parts of it were even, dare I say, catchy. I can't believe that I am saying that about Yoko Ono, but it is true. Um, I thought the guitar was really good pretty much throughout. You know, part of that was Mick Jagger, but only on one song. Um, I especially liked the bluesy licks in Death of Samantha. I thought that was really excellent. Um, That might be John Lennon. It's a little bit unclear. There are multiple guitarists on the album, as you mentioned, so it's not really clear who is on which songs other than the Mick Jagger one. There's no personnelist specifically for that song, but I did see one source that said he played rhythm guitar on Death of Samantha, so it might have been him. Not sure. Whatever, it was really good. I do disagree with you a little bit on what did I do. I agree there was a little bit of her screechiness. So that was not good, but I thought it was fairly limited in that song, which I was happy about. I didn't like the screechiness, but I did like the music on that one. It was really funky, um, and the funky music was actually really good. So it offset her vocals a little bit. I'm not saying it was my favorite song on the album, but I didn't mind it. I do agree with you on Is Winter Here to Stay, though. That one was annoying because it was more like her old stuff. Ignoring, you know, the the guitar, Mick Jagger. The vocals were just really bad on that one. You know, that was definitely more like the stuff that we had already listened to. It wasn't quite as bad as that stuff, but it was leaning in that direction. But other than that, like you said, it's a double album, and it mostly was a complete departure from her previous stuff. So I was surprised, pleasantly so. As a whole, it wasn't bad. I mean, I'm not saying that it was great, It's not going to be four or five stars for me. I'll just go ahead and tell you that. But it's not that bad. The only negative thing that I really have to mention about it as a full album is that it is a double album, so it was too long. It did feel like it went on forever and ever and ever. I did listen to it. Oops. (laughs) Sorry. That was a couple songs right there. That's what it was like, a couple songs. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Sorry about that. I apparently had an alarm set. (laughs) Uh, It's time to record. I know. (laughs) Sorry about that, people. We are rusty, like we said. Nope. Um, No, like I was saying, it is a double album. It was super long. I did listen to it all in one go. So, it was (laughs) 
I didn't think I was ever going to get through it. It's not quite good enough for listening for 93 minutes at one time. <laughs> but it didn't make my head hurt. That's something good. Her previous stuff did. It was really painful to listen to. So this, it's definitely not going to be the worst thing I listen to this year. I'll just say that. In fact, I'm just going to go ahead and give my score on this one. It's not the worst thing that I have listened to so far. I actually gave this one three stars. I would say it's, it's still kind of meh. It's not outstandingly good, but it wasn't bad. So I gave it three. I can't believe that I'm saying that, but <laughs> I didn't mind it that much. I gave two and a half to both Bruce Springsteen and Maha Vishnu Orchestra last week, but this one, for me, was better. Well, I will agree with you. I believe this one is better than Bruce Springsteen's last, what, uh, Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey. I will listen to this one over that uh, nine times out of ten. Except for maybe Death of Samantha. I feel like that is a really good song. Like, I could probably put that one on. That one probably is going to go. I'm going to try to start making a best of 73, especially because we're catching it early. So, on Chord Chronicles um, Spotify playlist, I'm going to try to try to get a best of 71, 72, and 73, and just keep going from there eventually. And I, I would throw Death of Samantha and maybe another track or two on there from this album this is good and i was uh pleasantly surprised i was going into it thinking we're looking at like a one and a half two star album and you know you said three i inched it up a little bit further at, at first i had this as four stars but i tried to listen back through it again and i just can't do it i there's just it's almost too much i feel like she should have just released two albums two separate albums maybe split it up a little bit it's just too much but for me, this one was three and a half. So, I mean, we're not that far off between the two of us. I did give it a half star. And once again, I get that um, the production bump. <laughs> because these songs do sound slick. Whoever mixed this, and I probably, once again, I probably did get the remastered stuff. But whoever did mix this, it's excellent. And the band is, there's not a song that the band doesn't sound really good in. And I like I like the band in um, like uh, approximately infinite universe. Even the title track, I didn't like the song as much, but I like the music in it. And most of these songs, the the music's good. I mean, a ballad's a ballad, pretty much. <laughs> you know, it's hard to judge those. But some of the other tracks, I like it. So I I I couldn't I can't believe it. But Yoko Ono, approximately infinite universe, between the two of us gets three and a quarter stars. And I hope she quits while she's ahead, but we know she's not going to. So <laughs> That is the great thing about this show, though. Sometimes we get to listen to things that are pleasant surprises. Yeah. Well, normally, I would say we're going to take a quick break because we're going to go to one of our solo segments. We're going to try something different this week. Rather than just each of us speaking out into the ether... I'm just going to let you present to me your album for the week. And then here in a little bit, we'll cut in and I'll tell you all about what I had this week. And that way, maybe we'll get a little bit more inter interaction between one another. And it won't be just me droning on or you droning on. <laughs> um, we'll see how that goes. And 
Y'all, those out there that um, are listening, let us know what you think about this. Let us know if you like the other way better. And let us know if you are have been creative and you've come up with something a little bit better than Amy's All Alone and Jeff's Just Jamming. So far, so far, they're in the lead. <laughs> from the uh, little bit of poll interaction that I have, you know, I didn't put an official poll up, but I have gotten a couple replies uh, to what we should just we should just leave it. So I don't know, but um, I wanted just something nice and shiny and pretty and fancy. So <laughs> let us know, guys. But I'm gonna step aside because I think we're gonna uh, we're gonna go to a quick break. Uh, one, two, three. All right, break's over. It's time for an Amy's All Alone segment. all right my i'm gonna call it solo album this week even though i'm not actually all alone this time but i am the only one who listened theoretically this is graham parsons and it's his album gp it came out sometime in january we're not sure exactly when just sometime during the month it was his first solo album recorded after he got kicked out of the Flying Burrito Brothers for all of his issues, we'll say. It was also his last release before his death in September of this year, although he did have one posthumous release later on. I think it came out in 74, and that was of stuff that he recorded in the summer of 73. But this was the last one that actually came out before he died, so, the last one that he toured on. We'll say that. He wasn't in great shape when he recorded this stuff. I will say that. He was still really struggling with both drugs and alcohol. So, I'm sure that did have an effect on the quality of the album. We'll just say that. Um, right away, this was a little more... I'm going to say bluegrass than I expected, especially the first track, Still Feeling Blue. I was expecting a little bit of country, folk country, but not this country. Now, I do love some good you know, steel guitar, dobro, fiddle, you know, and there were some fairly well-known musicians on here. I'm not going to name them all because it's a pretty extensive list on this album, but it did include Buddy Emmons on pedal steel. I know we've mentioned him before on previous episodes. Jack, or sorry, James Burton on Dobro. He is actually in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because he played with Rick Nelson, Elvis, John Denver. So he's a pretty big name as well. And there are others. There were some good musicians on here. I was proud of myself. I didn't look at any of this before I started listening, but there was a female doing vocals you know, there were a couple of duets and then female backing vocals pretty much throughout the album. And I was listening and I thought, that sounds like Emmy Lou Harris. And it was. It, I was kind of proud of myself for identifying her like that. But it just sounded like her. Not just the voice, but the style. It sounded like Emmy Lou Harris and it was. She was really young at this time and this was kind of how she got her start. I didn't think the album was terrible. You know, I do like some country. I'm not saying it was great, because it's not. You know, it's not as good as my favorite stuff, but it could have been worse. I'll say that. His accent 
did occasionally veer into the annoyingly faked, overdone southern accent, and I hate that. But fortunately, it was only every so often. It wasn't throughout the whole thing. It was worst on the song Cry One More Time. Man- manufactured twang. Yes. It's always the worst. Yeah, I hate it. Don't do it. Just don't do it. You have to move here and experience it to actually be able to do it. Yeah. So y'all, everybody, don't try to fake it. Yeah, don't talk like you this. You ain't got it. <laughs> you ain't got it. You ain't got it, everybody. You got to move here and live with it. <laughs> Trust me. I, I, I get that when I'm up here in Indiana now, so. Yeah. <laughs> like This, the way I talk, I have a little bit of an accent, and that's how most people around here talk. You know, some people have a little more of one, especially if they're a little farther south. But what you hear in most modern country these days, that is not how people actually sound around here. Anyway, Cry One More Time was the worst for that. It was the worst offender. Luckily, the music was good on that one, you know, even if the vocals weren't. I did think that the timing on the vocals was a little bit off-putting at times. It wasn't terrible, again. You know, it was just so-so. As far as notable songs, none of them really stood out to me. The singles were She, which Graham Parsons wrote with Chris Etheridge. That was his former bandmate. And the new Soft Shoe. She probably was one of the two best songs on the album. It's definitely the most soulful. <laughs> But my favorite is probably the last song, which was totally different from the rest of the album. It's called Big Mouth Blues. It's a little jazzy, a little funky, obviously bluesy, much less country than the rest. And like I said, I like a little bit. I didn't bit. make it that far. <laughs> yeah, I didn't make it that far. Yeah, he did I'll listen to that. part of the album. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, that one you should listen to. Like I said, I do like a little bit of country, older stuff, but that one was less country, you know, and I also love soul and blues and, you know, funk, and it had more of that. The album does also include a song that was co-written by George Jones and recorded by George Jones. That's all it took, and it included Streets of Baltimore, which apparently is sort of a well-known song, and it's been covered about 50 million times by all sorts of people, but I was not familiar with that one. That's All It Took sounded the most like traditional country, but, you know, that's not really surprising since it is really a George Jones song, and it sounded like a George Jones song being sung by someone else. And I mentioned Cry One More Time because of the bad vocals, that one's actually a Jay Giles Band song. It's from their 71 album, The Morning After, which we did not get around to reviewing. I don't know if you listened to that one. It's my last, very last solo album before we had to take our lengthy hiatus. It's a four-star album. Be sure to check that one out, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, how was the song Cry One More Time, or do you remember? It's been like a year and a half. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, it's been quite a while. That though, I mean, it's that whole album is pretty much Jay Giles. If you like Jay Giles, you know Jay Giles doesn't stray very far from what Jay Giles does because Jay Giles does what Jay Giles does well. <laughs> so if you want to experience a Jay Giles album, doing what Jay Giles does well, listen to Jay Giles. 
Don't listen to GP. Anyway. And say all of that three times <laughs> fast. Jay Giles does what Jay Giles yeah. does. <laughs> exactly. As for GP, you know, the album was not really successful. It didn't chart. Neither did the singles. It was critically acclaimed, though. Especially for the vocals. So, <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with those critical reviews, but that's pretty common for us. We usually don't agree with the critical reviews. Yeah, not not, not from these critics. These critics don't agree. <laughs> and we're <laughs> right, so you should listen to us over all the other reviewers. But, you know, like I said, it's okay, but it's just okay. It's not really anything special. The music is definitely better than the vocals. You can tell that the musicians are talented people. It's just, the album as a whole, I didn't hate it, but it was not eye-opening. It sounds like a thousand other country-ish albums out there with subpar vocals. I'm not going to listen again. I can't say I really even disliked it, per se. For me, you know, I don't, I liked it a little more than than you did for what you listened to. For me, it was one of those that's just kind of mediocre. So, in other words, this one was actually a three-star album for me as well. Yeah, I can I can see that. I mean, it's not... I don't say it's particularly bad or anything, but it's, it's like uh, trying to listen to a... mostly like the Johnny Cash albums sometimes. It's just a drone. It just drones on. It's not exciting. There's no life to it. It's just so dreary. And it just... That's the problem I had with, with what I was trying to listen to this album. Because I did finish, you know, the Yoko Ono double album. And then I was like, you know what? I'll try to listen to this Graham Parsons. Because I had already listened to the other things that were presenting this week. Quite a bit. Because they were easier listens than the long double album so i thought i'd just slip in and just check this out real fast because i know who graham parsons is the the flying burrito brothers were okay but um i think it's their debut maybe not but we had an album in 70 if i'm not mistaken and it was it was pretty good it may have been on off the record as a different we we may have had two albums from them i know but it was pretty good it's it was country rock yeah. And when I saw this labeled as, as country rock, I thought, okay, it, it'll be more of that. Maybe he was the driving force behind Burrito Brothers. No, he was not. I can tell you right now. I mean, he may have helped and collabed, but I don't know that they lost a whole lot when Graham Parsons left because he didn't take the sound with him. <laughs> and it was just it was just boring. And mate, you said he was going through some things, so that could have been it as well, you know. Maybe that, I don't know. I'm just trying, I'm trying to be fair, but it was um, terrible. <laughs> it lacked any any and all soul. <laughs> it, just, it just did. I can see that. And this is not country rock. I, I will say that. It's not even <sighs> country folk. It is just country. Yeah. So. Oh, it was... Uh, I, I can't. I can't give it. It's your your own all alone rating, so I can't. I couldn't give a rating to it. But what I did make it through, it was not as good as Yoko. <laughs> I'll say that Yoko put out a better album than Graham Parsons in 1973. So, but now, oh my gosh, 
this was a uh, this wasn't as good. I don't think this was good of a week. <laughs> Spoiling it for everyone else. I don't think the music this week was as good as last week. But like I said at the start of the program, we didn't have an Aerosmith, so we had big names, but we didn't have a big album like that Aerosmith album. I say that because the next band that the both of us had was someone that I complained about last week. I felt like they were probably starting to be near the end of their career. The well has to have dried up a little bit. I mean, come on. That band is the Beach Boys. I mean, come on. This is their 19th album. This is Holland. Came out the same day as Yoko Ono's Infinite Universe, approximately Infinite Universe, January 8th, 1973. And we reviewed, what, uh, three or four Beach Boys albums, I think. Oh, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I can't keep track. More than I one. I will say this. Well, I will say this. Most of the Beach Boys albums typically all sound the same. It's all that harmonizing. Like, uh, it almost sounds like 50s doo-wop or something like that. The way they sing with their harmonies. Maybe not the music every time. As I hear Kingston in there barking at the uh, garbage truck, the mailman the neighbors, or whoever else decided to be daring enough to walk by on the sidewalk. <laughs> Sweet boy. <laughs> is my protector. So, but, you know, typically that's what, it's it's just corny. It's just corny and played out. The Beach Boys, I like the Beach Boys, and I do like some of their hits. You know, California Girls and some of that stuff. But when you start, <laughs> when you put, put out 19 albums, I mean, it's just a matter of you're just going through the motions sometimes. I will say this. I, when I, what I can tell from reading about this album, every member of the Beach Boys had a hand in recording this album. And you can tell because it's disjointed. And if you get the CD release, you're going to get the bonus, if you want to call it that. The bonus, uh, I can't remember the name of the the whole thing. It's like a story. It reminds me of, it's called Mount Vernon and the Fairway. Did you listen to any of that? Um, I actually ended up listening to most of it just because I wasn't in a position to pause it <laughs> at the time. Yeah, and, and well, the whole time you were like, man, what is this? Probably, that's the way I was. I was confused. Like, I was I don't like, care about what's this? happening? Yeah. <laughs> Like this is some weird. This is like they're trying to rip off something Pink Floyd would do. That's that's what I got off of that. They listened to a couple Pink Floyd albums where they're, you know, taking something that's a, ch- a children's <laughs> type thing and they're making something weird out of it. This is uh like the initial story for it. I believe in a way is he has a like someone presents a guy with a boombox, a jam, you know, whatever. A music playing device. I think they, I don't know if they say boombox, but they, they give it to him and he's like the Pied Piper. <laughs> People follow him around basically, but he has trouble with it because it loses uh, tune. So he has to, it's like some weird story. It's it's an acid addled, like, I, I feel like someone, they were probably like tripping or doing something and he had this idea, ooh, they probably, like, uh, Dark Side of the Moon, oh wait, it wasn't out yet. Something similar. Metal by Pink Floyd came on, and they were influenced by Pink Floyd for that. So it, it's—I don't want to say it's not worth anyone's time, but it's not—it's not really a song. Any, none of those tracks at that bonus 
bonus CD or a song. So it's really not nothing more than maybe just listen to it once and you know see what you think about it. But it's nothing I'm ever going to listen to again. There were two singles off this album. One was the only excellent song on the album, I feel like. And that's Sail on Sailor. Great song. There are only like two great songs. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't wanna, one great song, one okay song. And uh, they're both written, written by uh, Brian Wilson. <laughs> he, he's the, he's the, I think he's the uh, most creative. He's probably my favorite Beach Boy. But Sail on Sailor and the B-side to that was Only With You. Then you had California Saga, California, which, mm, it's okay. But the B-side to that was Funky Pretty, another pretty good song. Once again, Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson was the top Beach Boy for me, yeah, like as far as creatively and, you know, things of that nature. I don't know if he was a better musician than the other members of the band, but for me, I like his writing better. I don't have... A whole lot of notes on the this this album. Um, I thought it was like I said. I thought it was good. I thought th- there were only really three songs that I did enjoy. Like I said before, "Sail on Sailor." I like the smooth harmonies in it. It does sound a little bit like their older stuff, but not. I'm trying to be nice. Not so played out like they're forcing it. It really just sounds like they kind of relaxed. They had a hit on their hands and they did it. It's good. I liked Funky Pretty, like I said before, both Brian Wilson. And the only other song which I did like this one was The Traitor. I think The Traitor was a pretty good track. But and the bad for me, all I put in my notes, there's nothing terrible. It just sounds like really dated. A lot of the songs lack energy, just plain, kind of boring. And that Mount Vernon and the Fairway EP for me was just a, pl- a Pink Floyd ripoff. And that's really all I have to say about it because it's okay. It's just not something that I will ever listen to again. But besides maybe those three tracks, they might go on a Greatest Hits of 73. At least one of them. So, it's pretty boring. I'm going to go ahead and throw mine out there. For me, this was three stars. It's okay. It's not the best Beach Boys album. <laughs> you know, there are definitely better ones. Even ones that we reviewed, I believe. So, but check out their stuff from the 60s if you want good Beach Boys. This is, ah, maybe they had a few, a little bit too more drugs. So, but I'm going to turn it over to you, let you run through it, and see what you thought about this uh, ho-hum offering that the Beach Boys presented to us today. (laughs) Well, I agree. Sail on Sailor was good. I did really enjoy that song, and it was familiar to me. Like, I think I might have heard it before. I can't say for sure. I don't know it as well as the 60s stuff that you referred to. But I did enjoy it. You know, I thought that one was good. I thought it was interesting that you said that for you, the album seemed a little disjointed because I thought kind of the opposite. I actually thought the songs flowed really well together. Like I wouldn't call it a concept album or a rock opera or anything like that specifically, but... To me, it did seem to have a good flow to it. Like, the songs kind of led into each other in a pleasing way. Especially for the first part. And that's partly because three of them were the California saga, I guess. But, you know, still, I did notice that and made a note of it. 
you know, steamboat and the first part of the California saga. I didn't make a note of what that first part was titled, but both of those um, reminded me of Take the Long Way Home by Supertramp, which I think was later, but that's just what they made me think of. Kind of made me want to listen to Supertramp. The, f- the last part of the California saga, um, which, as you said, was just titled California, sounded very western and the middle part you know it was a three-part saga the middle part was kind of a bridge between those two so you know those obviously kind of flowed together as was intended but the songs before them to me flowed together as well the song traitor that you mentioned that one also reminded me of something but it reminded me of one of their previous songs Don't Go Near the Water, Don't Go In the Water. I can't remember the exact title. It was a song that we reviewed previously. So I guess that shows some progression also. I didn't really love it. It was okay. Um, I didn't really include that EP in my review. Like I said, I did end up listening to most of it, and it was weird. I was listening on Spotify, so you do get those songs, too, if you just let it go. Obviously, those aren't going to flow naturally from the actual Holland tracks, because it was a totally separate thing. You are stretching the definition of song pretty heavily. (laughs) Not really songs. Okay, tracks. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Yeah, there's not much music in it. No, it's not. It's 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 like a children's... like what nursery rhyme or like a fairy tale yeah or something like they used to have you know we we had a couple i think when we were kids it was like on on vinyl record it would be you know whatever aesop's fables something like that that's basically what it is yeah it is it was packaged so. totally separate originally uh well it was packaged with this but it was a totally separate ep that was a spoken word fairy tale um so th- I, I'm not really reviewing those because it was a separate EP, even though they were packaged together, but I I did listen to most of it. Like I said, it was a little weird, but okay, it's not what we're actually reviewing. So I didn't really uh, take account of those when I reviewed it. I just wanted to make a note of that. I did like this album better than their previous one that we reviewed. I will say that. Um, Surf's Up. I think it was 1971 that we reviewed that one. It's the one that had Don't Go Near the Water on it. It was okay, but I didn't really like that one. This one I liked better. Um, Like I said, still not as good as their older stuff. But I did think it was an improvement over Surf's Up. I really disliked that one. Which was reminded to me. Reminded to me? <laughs> I don't... We are from Kentucky, guys. <laughs> yeah. um, I was reminded of Surf's Up just recently. My husband was listening to it, and he really loved it and played the whole thing. And yeah, and I was not a fan. So this... Yeah, there's no accounting for taste, I guess. <laughs> this one I liked better <laughs> than that. I'm not saying it just like totally blew me away or anything, but it was fine. I listened to it while I was cooking, 
and it did work well for that. I can see where you would say it was kind of boring or droning, but as background music, it did work pretty well, and I enjoyed it fairly well. <laughs> so, I, I enjoyed it more than a lot of the stuff that we have to listen to, or a lot of the albums that we have to listen to for this show, so I'm going to say that this one was definitely on the positive side. I did give it three and a half stars. I thought it was, like I said, better than a lot of stuff, but not fantastic. So, three and a half for me. I, th I thought, um, like I say, I don't know that the Beach Boys have ever put out a just an absolutely terrible album. We haven't had any stinkers from them yet, but it's getting there. It's steadily, steadily going downhill a little bit. I'm waiting for some Beach Boys solo albums now pretty soon. <laughs> In any day now, this is like probably going to be near the uh, beginning, what's the beginning of the end for the Beach Boys, I would think. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. But, my goodness, that's a lot of music. And this, it's not getting better. It's just not. It's not getting better. So, for me, uh, you know, it just didn't even, it barely even made the three. I almost made it a two and a half. But it skirted by on that. But I think we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, I'm going to talk about the best album of the week. So, we'll be right back. Fancy, right? Because we are back, guys. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, jokes aside, that uh, Beach Boys album, mm, I was glad to get it. I was glad to be done with it. <laughs> I was glad to be done with it because I listened to the double album from Yoko Ono, which I said, like I said, it wasn't bad. But then I went into this Beach Boys and, wow. Not not the best thing. And the last album that the both of us have for the week was decent, so I had some hope. Now, the band that I had this week, I had no idea from, you know, for the solo segment. I had no idea. I'd never heard of this band. It, you know, made me think, like, on first glance, even the album title, you know, I'm thinking funk, definitely. And I wasn't disappointed in the least this band is mandrill like the african gorilla i almost want to say gorilla monkey you know but um it's named after named after the african monkey uh, mandrill composite truth is the album it came out in january 73 we don't have an exact day now mandrill i'd never heard of them before they are a new york band they're brothers they were like uh, three brothers. You have Carlos Wilson, and I'm just going to run through the personnel real fast. Carlos Wilson on trombone, alto sax, flute, guitar, and vocals. All, all three of these brothers are multi-talented, by the way. You have Lewis Wilson on trumpet, flugelhorn, percussion, and vocals. Ricardo Wilson on tenor sax, percussion, and vocals. Then finally, you have Claude Coffee Cave. I like that. Uh, he's on keyboards, vibraphone, percussion, and vocals. Frederick Fudgy K. Solomon on bass, percussion, and vocals. Can you tell? This is a little bit funky for these guys. You have Omar Mesa, guitar, percussion, and vocals. And finally, Neftali, if I'm correct on that. Neftali Santiago, drums, percussion, and vocals. This is what I would say soul funk 
in all the best ways. Um, these brothers are they're Caribbean of Caribbean, you know. They're from I, I believe their parents are from. I I don't want to get it wrong, but I believe it, it's somewhere in the Caribbean because one of these songs is a typical like a, a calypso type beat and everything. But I'm not gonna go track by track. I mean, there are only eight tracks on it, so it's not a long album. It it does track in it like 40 minutes though, so there are some jams. I know a lot of times you get um, I almost say bored. But like with with you know if there aren't a lot of vocals sometimes you don't like it as much. I lose focus. This I think you, I think you would probably like this quite a bit. Uh, the first song that comes on like the first track "Hang Loose" is just a real funky, soulful song. Uh, this was recorded at Electric Lady Studios in New York City. It's a little bit of Hendrix action there, but um, I think the best song on the album is the second track "Fence Walk." For the first five seconds or so, you have to hang with it because I hate it. I hate the first five seconds, but then it just evolves into just a funky, soulful, just got that nice 70s funk sound. If you're a fan, a fan of that, you know, you're gonna really going to like it. Um, like a Egalo is just a traditional, you know, Calypso type. I want to say these the brothers were from Colombia. It's something like that. It's it's Central American. It has that real nice calypso with all the uh, the xylophone. I don't think that came up in the list of, of instruments, but that's in it. And just stuff like that. It's just real fun and bright. It has that bright sound. And then you go into Don't Mess With People. That's a slower, a, more of a soulful song, but it still has that uh, the bass groove in it. The bass, the bass grooves in this are a little weaker. I will say that. I've heard their album before this. It's called Mandrill Is. It's, um, people like it better, which I'm going to go back and listen to it because I liked this album. Um, Polk Street Carnival, the only song on the album that I did not like. It's just an ode to San Francisco. It's a street, Polk Street out in San Francisco. It's... Uh, it's really poppy, and it doesn't match any of the other songs on this album. So they did it for fun. You can tell. So it's okay. Now, like I said, Fence Walk was the best song on the album. Well, there is a competitor to that, and it's Golden Stone. It's long. It's like seven, over seven minutes long. That's what I was talking about. Maybe they go into breaks of music that maybe you may lose focus. It's excellent, though. Oh, you could put this. You were talking about background music. When you were cooking or something, you'd be dancing with this if you put it on. You would. It's just that catchy. It's that Golden Stone or Fence Walk are the two best songs on the album. But like I said, Polk Street Carnival is the only song I don't like. I, and it's not that I don't like it. It's just it's kind of corny <laughs> a little bit. It doesn't really fit the other tracks. Uh, you have Out With The Boys. You're nearing the end of the album. Out With The Boys, is they've slowed it down a little bit more. Once again, it's another one of those soulful-type tracks. It still has the funk sound in it. It's just really good. And then they close the album out with an instrumental, and it is slower, but it's nice. It's called Moroccan Nights, and I would call it a jazz, leaning more toward a jazz track or something like that. It's just solid. This whole album's good. I can't believe this band didn't make more, you know, 
sound, you know, like I don't want to say sound, but I'm su- I'm surprised the word of mouth didn't get out a little bit more about this this band. They did make it to 28th on Billboard Pop albums and 8th on Soul albums. So, not bad. Fence Walk I think made it to 52 on the the pop charts and 19th in Soul and Hang Loose was the other one. It was um, 83 on the, the pop tracks and 25th on Soul. So moderate success, but for the amount of talent that I could hear in this band, I feel like they didn't get their their due. So everyone needs to check out this. I mean, it's on Spotify, so highly recommend this. Put it on. like Give them some, some plays. They deserve it. But my, Mandrill's Composite Truth, very exciting to me. It's It was my favorite album of the week, and I almost gave it four and a half, but I did bump it down to a four. So, you know, like still, though, excellent. For me, uh, possibly the best album of the week, and that's Mandrill's Composite Truth, four stars. Be sure to check it out. Yeah, I'm really interested in that one. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to any of it yet, but I did look it up before when we were making the spreadsheet and it sounded really interesting and yeah you know sometimes I do lose focus when there you know there's not any vocals because that's what my brain is able to really focus on but really good music you know can make a huge difference so yeah I'm intrigued by this one I'm definitely gonna have to listen to it yeah, it's uh, it's definitely better than GP, <laughs> your solo album. I think I won out this week as far as solo albums because, wow, I can I've I've listened to this Mandrill album more than anything else for this week, and I tried to go back and listen to stuff for next or go ahead and listen for stuff for next week, but I just kept putting this one back on. Like, ah, let me listen to that Fence Walk song once again. That's pretty. That's pretty good. Or like I said, Golden Stone is slowly started slipping in, as it's excellent. There's just a, a a section of it where they just jam out, and you're like, "Yep, this is this is '70s funk." I wish it would have never went away, and it should come back. So, one of the best forms of music I could get behind that <laughs> ever. So, but yeah, four stars. I, I highly recommend that one. I'd say this. It's probably the. Hmm, that's bold, but it's probably the second best album that we reviewed so far this year. Aerosmith being the best. So, I will say that. Probably so. So, I, as far as me enjoying it, I've listened to it possibly more than the Aerosmith album. But I like Funk Soul. So, but yeah. Highly recommend it. Everyone, be sure to check it out. And let's give them some, some plays on Spotify. Whatever listen medium that you, you know, choose. Apple Music, whatever. But, you know, be sure to check that one out. So, would you say that I you're think, my Funk Soul yeah. brother? Uh, it's it's possible, you know it. I, oh, I love my humor. Oh. <laughs> now, one last album this week. <laughs> Which iteration of this band is it? <laughs> we don't know. It's a band that we've already reviewed, what, two albums? At least one. We've had at least one, I think two. Um, I've already heard a couple of the songs on this album. I was already familiar with a couple of them, but overall, I never know who I'm going to get when I see this band because this band has had so many different members. I think everybody's been in this 
So I keep saying this band, this band. This band that I'm talking about is Deep Purple. And the album is Who Do We Think We Are? Hard Rock, Blues Rock. It came out, what, 12th January 73? So we're near the end of the week. So I don't know. I don't have it exactly in front of me right now. But it's near the end of the week. It was January 12th. In January. The 12th? Okay. So yeah, this is their seventh studio album. So I think there were a couple in like the late 60s before we made it to it because I don't there's no way that we missed that many albums we reviewed two and maybe so guys I don't know I will say this this band is oh you never know who you're gonna get I'm gonna run through the personnel on this album because every time I go and look at Deep Purple I'm surprised by who was in the band because I've, I've listened to Deep Purple but it's Maybe I just didn't notice the difference in singers. A lot of times with a band, you'll notice if they switch singers. But maybe I was just too young in the past, and I just didn't realize it. But it's, there's a noticeable difference sometimes. But you, I think pretty much always in Deep Purple, you're going to have Richie Blackmore on guitar. He's probably the main, you want to say main, member of, of Deep Purple. Uh, amazing guitarist. From what I've read, from what I can tell, not exactly the most kind or easy to work with gentlemen so that's why there's so many iterations of deep purple but this one this album this particular album is the last album that you'll have we'll have ian gillian on vocals this is the last out al- his last album with the band you have roger glover on bass excellent bassist john lord on keyboards and ian pace on drums and other percussion moderately successful i would say this um this album's not as successful as maybe albums of the past. I keep dancing around it because I said <laughs> I was already familiar with one of the tracks. The singles off this album, Woman from Tokyo, which is the big one, and then Super Trooper, which that, those are the two songs that I was familiar with. Um, I don't have a whole lot of notes. I didn't make a whole lot. If you like Deep Purple, especially... Deep Purple albums that they released around this time, you're gonna like it. I th- I didn't think there were really as you know I, I tried to go through and list the good songs and the bad songs with all these other albums. I didn't really find any songs that were particularly bad. There's not really any offenders, but I will say this: there's not any. There weren't any songs that just stood out either. Not like Highway Star or something like that. There there's not that on this album. Even Woman from Tokyo, I feel like, is a lesser, maybe a lesser song than their previous stuff. It's good. And it's it's just not, it wasn't my favorite. No, I mean, it sounds like I'm just, like I didn't enjoy this album. I did. I really did enjoy it. The first time I listened to it, I actually didn't like it that much. I thought it was pretty weak as for a Deep Purple album. And maybe it's because I, I started reading about it being the last album that Ian Gilliam was involved with. And maybe I just had that preconceived notion in my head when I'm listening to it that they're having some kind of stripe, so maybe they didn't put everything into it. So it has the energy, but it seems like someone's holding back. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's just, you know, looking back 50 years later, you know, later on something. But it just seems to me like there's not as much creativity or something 
you can tell something's up with this with this album compared to like the one previous that we reviewed. So when when the band was in full swing, but I'm not gonna give my stars yet. I'm gonna turn it over to you, see what you thought about it, and then I'll let you know star wise. But you know, what did you think about it? I enjoyed the album. You know, I do like Deep Purple quite a bit. I also made a note of it being the last album with Ian Gillen. He left after this album. He was replaced by David Coverdale um, for their next album. I'm interested in that later stuff. I do have to mention that. I haven't listened to much of it. I've listened to just a little bit, but I've meant to listen to more of it for a long time, just never got to it, so I'm looking forward to that stuff. I only know David Coverdale from Whitesnake, but I love Whitesnake, so (laughs) I'm really... He's excellent, yeah. Yeah. And I like Deep Purple, so I'm really interested in that stuff together. But we're not there yet. For this album, we still have Ian Gillen, and he is also great. I'm going to give him his full due. So, like you said, Woman from Tokyo, his first track on the album. When I looked through this, I wasn't... I mean, I was kind of looking forward to it because it's Deep Purple and I like them, but I looked at the track list to make sure that I was listening to the correct version. And I didn't recognize any of the titles when I looked through. So I kind of thought, eh. But then I started the album and immediately I was grooving to the guitar. And a few seconds later, it clicked. I was like, oh yeah, my woman from Tokyo. She's so good to me. I know this song. It's a great song. It's just classic rock. That is definitely the standout song from the album, I would say. The rest weren't bad either. They're not quite as memorable. The lyrics and the vocals were a little more eh on the other songs. They're perverted. (laughs) I did forget to mention that. This album is a... uh, Not family friendly? Well, yeah, not family friendly. Like Some of the lyrics are... like It's like he just wrote them to to tongue-in-cheek in a way. Was it Mary? What's that song? I don't have it in front of me. Mary Long. Yeah. He asking about her virginity. <laughs> Did you lose your virginity, Mary? And all this and that. And that one I forgot to mention that when I went through. But yeah, some of the lyrics are tongue in cheek. It's kind of funny, but I'm like, why? Why would you even bother you pervert? <laughs> you know, they're perverted in some ways. Yeah, but whatever. We're we're adults horny. here. <laughs> yeah, they're horny. I guess I don't know this album. You can tell that. Yeah, they're rock and roll. It's seventies so. rock. What do you expect? <laughs> no, you know I. I did think the music itself is still great throughout. You know, not all of the songs can be those heck yeah type of hits. Some songs have to be more along the lines of, oh yeah, that's pretty good. And that's what most of this album was. I do agree, it's a little weaker than some of their other stuff, but I did enjoy it as a whole. The song Place in Line had a few iffy moments. You know, that's probably the worst thing about the album for me. A few of those moments veered over into Bob Dylan territory. He was scooping down for the vocals, which not great. I don't know why everybody tries to do that. It's not good. But it was fairly brief and it wasn't quite as nasally as Dylan. And the guitar was still masterful. So it was a little more tolerable. I really did like the keyboard solo and smooth dancer. That was great. The keys were good in Rat Bat Blue, also. It was unusual, 
but it was interesting. You know, I thought actually that the keyboard work was pretty good throughout the whole album. And maybe it's just me, but it seemed more prominent in this album than in some of the earlier stuff. So I was happy about that. So yeah, you know, even if most of the album is just pretty good, and I say that with quote quotation marks around the just, nothing was really bad. And I do really enjoy Woman from Tokyo, so it's still positive, you know, and, you know, I'm not alone in enjoying it, and I know that <laughs> you enjoyed it fairly well, too. I'm not going to give my star rating yet, but I did want to mention that even though this album might have been a little bit weaker, Deep Purple was the top-selling artist in the U.S. in 1973. You know, that's probably not based entirely on this album, but in general... I'm sure it's based a lot on Smoke on the Water, which came out in 1972, because who doesn't know that song? Like, literally everybody that I know knows that song. But the fact that they were the best-selling act is pretty big, and it does say a lot about them as a band, especially when you're talking about the 70s, when there are so many fantastic performers. So, I had to mention that. I'm going to go ahead and let you give your star rating first, and then I'll give mine. Well, I wavered back and forth. Like I said, I thought it was weak, but I went back and listened like three or four more times to the album. And like I said, that's when I started picking up on more of the uh, the perverted lyrics, but <laughs> which actually gave me a chuckle. So I think it was tongue-in-cheek, a lot of this. I'm just trying to have a little bit of fun. And even though, like I said, you could tell that there's a little bit of inner strife with the band. Maybe they're not totally meshing together. It still came out as a pretty solid product. Even like Deep Purple, that's not as strong. It's still better than for me than uh, than what uh, Graham Parsons or <laughs> or Beach Boys' nineteenth album. So it was better than that for me. But it's not a four. It's not a four star album. It's not. I, I went. I went online and I started looking. Or like reviews are mixed on this album. You might have a critic say this thing is like four and a half stars. Then you might have someone say it's two and a half. So like opinions are really varied on this album. I settled somewhere in the middle. It's more three and a half for me. The production's pretty good. All the musicians are solid. The vocals are good and they're not muffled and they come through clearly, perverted or not. <laughs> but. It's a solid album. It's just, it's not the best of the week, and it's not the best so far this year for me. So three and a half stars. Still good. Well, we're not, you <laughs> we're not too far off, but I did like it a little more than you, and for me, it was the best of the week. Of course, I didn't get to listen to Mandrel, so take that into account. But I did give this one four stars. It's it's not their top work, you know, but I did enjoy it. I didn't actually dislike any of it. And I didn't get bored with it. There were definitely moments of brilliance. You know, obviously, Richie Blackmore's guitar work. He is incredible. But also, like I said, I really like the keyboards. And I love Woman from Tokyo. So, not their best album, but it is better than a lot of other stuff out there, for sure. And I really enjoyed it, so I gave it four. So we're not too far off from each other on this one. Yeah, I mean, it's a good album. I don't dislike it. I just don't think it's their best work. But you can tell because they broke up 
right afterward. And I am excited to hear what David Coverdale does with them because I never knew until we started doing this podcast that David Coverdale from Whitesnake ever, you know, I didn't know he was a musician back then. I thought Whitesnake was the first band for every one of these guys that are in Whitesnake. And that's not true because Mel Galley played guitar with um, Trapeze and I can't remember right now. Might be Deep Purple. <laughs> a couple of the members of Deep Purple went into Trapeze and vice versa. But anyway, like a lot of these bands traded members back and forth. So that's pretty funny. But yeah, it, it's, a, it's a solid album. I, uh, I'd say everyone, you know, check it out. But, you know, maybe, maybe skip Graham Parsons. <laughs> it, it's not great. But other, other than that, I think it's been a, it was a pretty good week for music. You know, uh, there were no, like I said at the start, there was no Aerosmith, but there was a Deep Purple and Mandrill. Yeah, definitely everyone check out that Mandrill. I want to give them some more listens. You know, maybe get that playlist boosted a little bit because they definitely deserve it. Well, now next week though, oh my gosh, it's an interesting week. <laughs> Talk about a varied list of music with the, the artists that I do know. Next week is January the 15th through the 21st releases. And we have artists that, at least the both of us, for our, for the albums that we both are going to review, are three band or slash artists that we are very familiar with. Very familiar. You want to talk about putting out a vast number of albums. Next week we have Johnny Cash, Any Old Wind That Blows. Any old album that he can make money off of. Anyway, I've said too much. <laughs> it's true, but, though. <laughs> uh, it's going to be the same old Johnny Cash album, probably, but we'll see. You know, we'll see if it has uh, some June Carter Cash in it. You know, I like their duets a lot of times, but we'll see how that goes. Not that excited about it, though. I can be perfectly honest about it. I don't want to drive everyone away from the podcast, but next week is not going to be as good as probably this week or the week before. We'll see. There may be. But you have Johnny Cash, any old, only any old wind that blows. Then we have from January nineteenth, we have the Bee Gees, "Life in a Tin Can." We've already reviewed about four Bee Gees albums. This is still the non-disco Bee Gees. I oh, I'm wondering if it's going to be more of the weak Beatles type stuff because at the Weekles. This is what I termed it, I think, last time, last time we reviewed them. They were the Weekles because it's just low-budget Beatles rip-off type stuff with some sappy crap ballads and some fake country. So, yeah, I am harsh on the Bee Gees. Get to the, to, get to the disco. We need it. We need some staying alive. We need some more than a woman. We need one hit. I can't believe the Bee Gees made it. <laughs> so, maybe they'll surprise me. But I'm not looking forward to that one either. Next, we have Ike and Tina Turner. Let me touch your mind. Whew, totally different than the first two albums that I just went through. <laughs> that one's going to be Talk About Perverted. That one's probably going to be a little bit of sex-fueled and this and that. So a little bit of soul. Throw that in there. We'll see how that goes. That could be good or bad. Then for my solo album next week, I'm going to have a band that I'm not familiar with once again. Hopefully it'll turn out just like Mandrill did. Maybe not necessarily the same type of band, but that would be okay as well. I'm intrigued by I the have. album title, though. Oh, I went through and looked at this band. This band still makes albums. 
and they're all weird. I don't want to say weird. They're very creative. This I have Sparks, a woofer in tweeters clothing. So and I, I, they're an American band. For some reason, I thought they were German, but they're not. I may have heard a song by Sparks, but I don't think so. But if you go on Spotify, Sparks has like 40 albums. And they had an album like last year, if I'm not mistaken, or, or somewhere within the, the last couple of years. So there's still, uh, I think it's a duo. I didn't look too much because I don't like to uh, cheat, I guess you could call it. I try not to listen too far ahead. I have listened to a little bit of the, uh, the album from two weeks from now. But we're not going to get into that. But that's just because it's a good album. But finally, the last album, the album that you'll have the pleasure of reviewing is another one that, oh, this one's weird. It sounds like a rap artist or something. <laughs> Pot liquor, like a white, like a white SoundCloud rapper or something, you know. Pot liquor, like a juggalo. Uh, Louisiana rock and roll. So those two things don't match. Pot liquor and Louisiana rock and roll. It does, and you will find out why next week. Oh, I'm I, I, I'm going to listen to that one. I'm excited. It's definitely going to be better than Graham Parsons. Doesn't take much for that. So, <laughs> but I guess that's all I have this week because I'm tired of disparaging the good name of Graham Parsons. But I will say this, keeping it PG. No, I'm not going to say that. That's not nice. <laughs> but hopefully next week's better than than uh, Graham Parsons. So <laughs> it wasn't that bad. I, I will throw out a random thing I, I forgot to say at the beginning of the podcast. Pepsi has a new product. I don't see how it's any difference than 7-Up, but check out Starry. <laughs> it is different <laughs> than Sierra Mist, though, which is what it's replacing. It's delicious. <laughs> it's delicious, yeah. It's 7-Up. It's basically 7-Up, it, but yeah, it's good. It is 7-Up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just give it a shot. But, yeah, it's, be sure to check out, uh, not that I really need to give Pepsi any more money, but, yeah, it's pretty good. I will recommend that one over Sprite. So, but, um, yeah, that's all, it's really all I have next week or for this week. Next week, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what, you know, how the albums go and just we'll see what kind of stinkers we have and what kind of good little hidden secrets that we find, like Mandrel. Everyone, be sure to check out Mandrel's Composite Truth and Mandrel is the album before it. I can't personally vouch for that one, but if it's anything like Composite Truth, you won't be disappointed. So, But with that being said, do you have anything else to add, Amy? No, I don't think so. I'm, I'm hoping that next week is more of the pleasant surprises that we like getting and not just disappointing. I'll just say that. Yep. Well, I guess I hope everyone has a nice, happy, healthy, safe week. Listen to lots of good music. Be sure to check out our podcast on, you're already listening to it, but you can catch it on Spotify, Apple Music, what Podbean, just in anywhere, Anchor, anywhere that you can find your podcast. You can probably find us, and if not, let me know, and I'll see about getting it on there. But you can find us on there. You can find us on Instagram, more than anything, with our channel. We don't update it that often because, you know, I don't get on there at all. I'm lazy. There's too much other music and stuff to do. And Amy has work, so we'll try to keep that updated. I am going to try to put a question at the end of this episode on Spotify because you can do that now. 
and I'll try to put, I'll see if I can add a poll or if it's just a question. But I'll see if anyone has any actual, you know, they can put their ideas in it for names for our solo segments. And then I might try to put another question. Do you want me to leave it like we just did? Or should we keep, you know, do those as solo? No one else, you know, I'm not interrupting Amy. You know, this and that. So just let us know. But we're going to keep getting better and better. Who knows? I haven't listened to the audio because we're just now producing it. But hopefully it sounds well. And, uh, you know, we'll just keep getting better and better and keep going from there, guys. Stick with us because we have lots of music. And once again the music doesn't stop and we're trying our best not to so take care guys